everyone, Chris here. Just a quick note before the episode starts so we can put it in the proper context. We recorded this episode actually just before talks between Sony and Marvel Studios to keep Spider-Man in the MCU broke down. We also recorded it before D23 where Kevin Feige officially announced Black Panther 2, as well as Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk shows for Disney+, along with some casting news. So that's why we're not going to talk about those in this show. So that being said... On with the show. Coming up, Eduardo and Peaches are on vacay and Robbie has a mission off world. So we're bringing you a bonus episode to discuss all of the exciting Marvel announcements that came out of this year's San Diego Comic-Con. Coming to you from points around Pennsylvania and Florida, this is Assembly Required. There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. Hire for the faster, baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. Assemble. Welcome everyone to our bonus episode of Assembly Required. I'm your host for today, Angela, aka the Mrs. Soundlord, coming to you from Central PA. Uh, joining me is the man with a plan, the hub. Who? <laughs> <laughs> who does not flub? Uh, I. What rhymes with hub? Hubby. Hubby. Hubby um, who does not. Rubby. Rubby. <laughs> Rubby dubby dubby. Dub dub. It's the sound lord, Chris. Hey. I'm gonna do my best Eduardo impression. Chris, what's up, man? It's pretty good. Oh, not much. Not much. That was just, just, just hanging out. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> and from an undisclosed location in northern florida making his debut appearance on assembly required it's the sound lord's bro and my bro-in-law danny what's up man <laughs> what up what up how's it going hey, hey. so excited to finally get on one yeah. of these all took was Eduardo, it's been a long here. time yeah, all took was the host being on vacation you know. <laughs> If I have to come in from the sidelines, that's fine. As long as I get my recognition. Man, your mom's going to love this episode. Yeah, I know. Mom, this is for you. your mom. So anyway. 3,000 even. <laughs> oh, no, the episode's over. Darn it. Uh, oh, jeez. So with Eduardo and Peaches and Robbie off this weekend, we thought we'd do a bonus episode. Um, just not centered around any particular MCU film that's come out, but instead to talk about some of the huge announcements that came out of Comic-Con this year, since we really haven't had any kind of chance to talk about that at all, um, since, you know, you guys have had to focus very specifically on each film um, in your retrospective. So on this one, we're going to going to bring you some bonus content on those announcements. And we actually decided that at the end of each phase, like currently we're at the end of phase one, um, we'll make this a tradition. Each time you guys finish a phase, we'll do an episode of bonus content. Um, but before we get started talking about those announcements, Danny. Uh, hey, Hello. <laughs> yo. Um, in order to join this crackpot squad of remarkable people, we need to know, how did you get into Marvel, and what are your top five MCU films? All right. Well, <clears throat> my first uh, MCU movie, at least, was Iron Man. 
Saw that one in theaters and then didn't see any of them until Avengers in theaters. Mm. Um, it was, I ended up catching up because, you know, obviously Chris, my older brother has been very influential on my pop culture consumption. Uh, so I remember him taking me to see Iron Man. It was, I guess, 2008, yep. right? Uh, so you were home from college for the summer and we went to see Iron Man. I think you had seen it already and you were telling me that it was great. Yes. Um, so we went to see it and I quite enjoyed it. That did not transfer over to any of the other ones. I don't know if I knew that they were all connected at this point uh, until the buildup to Avengers. Um, but eventually saw that one. I think I saw every MCU movie in theaters up to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Missed that one. Saw it before um, whatever the last one was. Endgame. I guess it wasn't the last one. <laughs> yeah, whatever that uh, was. Yeah. That big event, the big cultural event that set records, whatever that was. Yeah. So it was not an immediate thing, but once I saw Avengers, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Uh, so been a big fan ever since. And I guess I'll go into my top five from there. Well, oh, before, okay. before that, like, did you have any interest in marvel before them like not just the mcu but marvel in general yeah like, did I mean, you read the comics did or you dress it? up as anyone for halloween did uh <laughs> the only i didn't read marvel comics uh i had been a big batman fan so i've read a few of those collections and the graphic novels for batman didn't really get into marvel uh as far as comics but you know there are the other movies spider-man x-men uh those are the the big series uh so i was a fan of those and saw most of them and uh i ended up as chris alluded to i did dress as nightcrawler for halloween one year so again shout out to mom she made a great costume uh she made great costumes every year but that one was pretty cool uh, i was painted blue had a blue tail it was based off the the red vest not the uh alan cumming version which you know, i'm not a huge fan but that's fine uh, so yeah, I, Marvel had been on my radar through various things, the other movies and some of the video games, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Those were fun games, um, but Spider-Man cartoon maker. Yes, exactly. A Spider-Man cartoon maker. So through here and there, but it was never a huge, like, Oh, Marvel. I know all of these characters are Marvels, mainly right. Spider-Man and the X-Men. Nice. Uh, was that satisfactory? Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, top five. I know that that is part of the initiation. So, number one, with a bullet, as they say, is Thor Ragnarok. Um, I'm sure that's going to shock everybody that that's in the top five. Uh, but that movie is great. I love what it did to the quick character of Thor. Uh, got him to a great place. The director, Taika Waititi, of course, is fantastic. Been a big fan of, or I am a big fan of all of his movies from Boy, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows. They're all great. So I'm excited for his new movie. Uh, hopefully that one comes out without much interference. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Thor is, I've, I've always liked Thor, the movies, Dark World uh maybe wasn't the strongest and the character was kind of in a who is this guy why is he even here ultron here he is taking a bath at one point in this cave what's going on uh but 
<laughs> gotta have a cave bath. He, uh, Taiko Waititi, great film, uh, and we will talk about the next one soon. Talk about that when we uh, get there. At least it's this episode. Yeah. At least it's this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you truly are part of the show uh, now. Had to have at least. Uh, so we'll talk more about Taika and my feelings on Ragnarok when we get to sequel. Um, number two, uh, I have Infinity War just edging out Endgame. Uh, obviously, together they work, you know, as a as a one-two punch. But I give Infinity War the edge. Um, because I know Endgame has all these huge moments and pays off all these things that have been built throughout the last 10, 11 years. But the story following Thanos, you know, the villain, it's not something we've seen in any of the Marvel movies where the villain is the main character. And we see him, you know, overcome these heroes that we've come to know and love. And it's just the ending is so devastating even though we knew yeah. there were sequels in the works and, you know, things are going to get reversed. But still, I remember I went to see it in theaters the day it came out after work. And I ended up sitting in one of the first few rows, which wasn't a very comfortable viewing experience. But the screen was huge. And it's just like seeing all these characters just floating away. And then how it ends with the the, the music and Thanos settling down and just getting a smile on his face. Oh man! And then it goes into the credits music. It's just, oh my goodness, what a moment! Um, you know, it's yeah. tragedy, and the heroes, our characters that we love, lost. And it's just wow, they ended this movie on this note and just walking out silent. Actually, one of my friends was working as uh, out in the in the theater, and he was ready for cleanup. Uh, so I saw him. I just gave him a big hug. <laughs> like, oh, oh my goodness! Oh. He hadn't seen it yet, so uh, but I think he knew that it was oh. a grim movie. Um, but then, so two and three, Infinity War and Endgame. Of course, Endgame is talked about as you know, as I said, all these huge moments. It was great to see all the payoff and all the characters yeah. come back and see how they overcome this. What happened in Infinity War? Um, so I, I don't want to speak too much about it because, you know, everybody knows it. Uh, but those two, uh, two and three. After that, I have Homecoming. Um, I may, I may. Interesting. I saw Far From Home once. I will need to watch it again. I like that one a lot too. Uh, but I rewatched Homecoming uh, probably a few months ago, uh, maybe a few weeks before far from home came out and I'd forgotten just how solid that movie is. It's just, it just made, it makes me yeah. smile. I love Spider-Man. He's a great character. Um, I know this is high school, Peter yeah. Parker, but still very relatable. Um, and seeing him, you know, it kind of in the, the recent movies follow this arc about him and Tony Stark's relationship, but seeing iron man in a spider movie is just so cool uh i know because spider-man's been yeah in the sony umbrella for so long but now that they're finally playing nice well i guess it's been a few years but um the first good spider-man movie in many years uh i guess probably since spider-man 2 the sam raimi one mm. uh it was so great to see him on screen again and just basically a john hughes movie but with Spider-Man. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. so enjoyable. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was brave of them 
yeah, I thought it was really brave of Marvel to to embrace that the coming of age high school kind of thing, you know, but as a Marvel movie. And yeah. I don't think that movie gets enough credit. Yeah. I like I love... Go ahead. I was going to say, I just love that a movie like that, that is where they're just a concern, as concerned about the villain as they are, oh gosh, this girl I like, I'm taking her <laughs> to the homecoming dance, that that can exist in the exact same universe as something as outrageous as Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Yeah. I know, and they're really, the, uh, oh my gosh, I have to meet my date's dad. Oh gosh, my date's dad is the villain. Yeah. What a, what a great, really that whole sequence from there to the car ride. Oh, so uh-huh. tense. It's so great. And just have that. It's, you know, I can't speak enough about Spider-Man. That's uh It reminds me of... One of the things that people always praise the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show about is how they used the demons and the monsters of the week as sort of allegorical stand-ins for high school problems. <laughs> and I thought the twist of the bad guy being the girlfriend's dad was very much in that vein and it worked really well as a good way to make the, uh, the stakes personal. So number five, I have Civil War, uh, which, okay. hey, Spider-Man again. Wow. Um, and Civil War is mini Avengers, um, but that is, it's so good. I need to rewatch it again, but I remember seeing that one in theaters. Actually, let's talk about, I remember when they released the trailer that had Spider-Man in it. I, uh, I was wow. leaving to go to class, so I was waiting for the bus. And I don't know if I saw it on Twitter or if you sent it to me, Chris. Um, but oh. I remember getting on the bus and I always, always listen to music on my phone. So I had headphones, but I watched the trailer. They got to the part where Spider-Man comes in. Says, hey, everybody. Just like, oh, my gosh, he's finally there. It was so awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, even just that, like just that moment alone, watching the trailer. It's like, that puts it up there for me. But of course, the movie having all these heroes uh, basically setting up you know, what we're going to see in Infinity War and Endgame because, you know, Avengers and Age of Ultron, it was still like the core. But now we're adding in Falcon and um, Winter Soldier. Ant-Man's in here. We got uh, Scarlet Star- Witch. Uh, Vision. Yeah, Black Panther introduced. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's, like, it's so crazy that, oh. I mean, I guess in Thor you introduce Hawkeye and Black Widow is introduced in. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. okay, they're kind of these side characters but now okay these guys are gonna have their own movies going forward and we're just gonna oh we'll throw them in here and it works and the conflict in civil war uh which we'll get to with uh baron zemo and um who is coming back which is awesome uh so it's a that's just an all-around solid movie of course (laughs) Uh, they basically all are pretty solid movies but uh yeah i'll put that one as number five cool that's a yeah, list. I think that's that's kind of refreshing because I think some of the guys, you know, have a lot of the same favorites. Maybe not Eduardo, but yeah, what a weirdo! <laughs> My top no, five are all the Hulk. No, it's kind of it's cool seeing everyone's favorites and how how similar <clears throat> and different they are. Um, but moving on, we're gonna kind of talk about the future of the MCU, um, Phase Four and beyond. And I think Chris, you wanted to get the ball rolling on this. Yeah. Since this show is a retrospective, as Angela said earlier, we don't often get a chance to indulge in good old-fashioned baseless speculation about the future. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home 
uh, was the end of phase three. And also the first time ever where we did not officially know what the next movie is going to be. There are rumors. There was a lot of information out there if you knew where to look about what was coming next, but nothing had been announced. And that was the first time that ever happened in the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you walk out of Spider-Man Far From Home, especially with the one-two punch of those post-credit scenes, (laughs) and you wonder, where are we going next? So this past July at San Diego Comic-Con, Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, unveiled Phase 4. And it's interesting that they actually unveiled the entirety of Phase 4. And this is going to be a very unique phase because for the first time ever, in addition to the movies, TV series are going to be considered officially part of their respective phases. Up until now, Marvel TV shows, while technically set in the MCU, uh, they are produced by Marvel Television. That is a completely separate division of Marvel uh, from Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios is only the films. Marvel Television is only TV. And that has made coordination between the two branches pretty difficult, which limits the true crossover potential. You got a little bit with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., especially early on, because Joss Whedon was still kind of overseeing Phase 2 of the Mar- of the MCU, leading up to Age of Ultron, which he wrote and directed. And he was an executive producer on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He has fam- his brother and his sister-in-law are the showrunners of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., So there was a connection there. So they were able to do a little bit building up to that. Uh, But other than that, it's been pretty separate with just illusions here and there. Now, this fall, the Disney Plus streaming service is going to debut. And with that, Marvel Studios will be producing several miniseries that are going to tie directly into its film slate. So that's going to be interesting. What it, it is, it's reminiscent of in the comics where you have these miniseries that are about different characters that are tying into what's going on in the universe as a whole. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that's going to work out because for the first time ever, it's actually going to be really truly connected. Some of the stuff that happens in the shows is going to set up stuff that happens in the movies. It's always happened the other way around. The movie happens, the TV shows react uh, to varying degrees of success. Like the Winter Soldier twist revealing that Hydra had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. That had a massive impact on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No kidding. But Thor t- its Thor tie-in, however, was Lame. <laughs> let's just go to London, I guess, and clean up after Thor. Yeah. Here's an Asgardian you've never seen before. <laughs> the end. Uh, yeah. So this is going to be very interesting. And they've got all the, the actors from the movies are reprising their roles. It's going to be very interesting to see how that works. And also at Comic-Con, Feige did tease a little bit of what to expect beyond Phase 4 into Phase 5. And possibly beyond that, we don't really know what their plans are. Uh, but let's... I, I just want to, again, you know, channeling my Eduardo, I just want to talk about... <laughs> You're good at this. <laughs> um, the Disney Plus streaming service. I'm so excited for this. It's, I feel like the first... I don't know, maybe you could argue like CBS All Access or you know some nonsense <laughs> like that did this first. But I feel like Disney Plus is the first streaming service where... They've really prepped us all to expect these new series coming out that we want to see, you know, and and building up that anticipation. Whereas, you know, Netflix originally was just they were showing shows that were already established on other networks and stuff. And then they started coming out with their own original content that like kind of came later, um, especially with like Orange is the New Black when that took off. Like that was kind of the the start of the, the Netflix era 
Um, and Hulu, same thing. Hulu showed shows that are on cable and, you know, so you could catch it later on online. But this is going to be very different. It's, I don't know, there's so so much exciting stuff. Yeah. Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, obviously. Yeah, since Disney um, owns yeah, half really of excited. all IP in the world, we're going to have quite <laughs> yeah. a bit of content. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say what they did a great job of, like you said, really giving us a big slate up front because CBS All Access pretty much has said, hey, we're going to do some Star Trek shows, but they didn't really give much detail beyond that. And yeah, we've got now Discovery and the new Twilight Zone and the Picard show coming out, but they didn't really, I think, come out with this big of a slate like Disney Plus has. I guess, I don't know if this is just like how kind of, you know, bought into (laughs) Disney we all are, but like the way that CBS did it, I felt like it was so jerky. They were just kind of like, here are these really awesome sounding shows coming out, but ooh, you can't actually, if you have cable, sorry, you can't watch them on CBS. You have to buy this extra streaming service to see them. But with Disney, it's like, we're all, I think, yeah. chomping at the bit to, to, you know, subscribe to this thing. And their back catalog of stuff that they're going to be able to put on there does yeah. make it interesting. Not to make this a Disney Plus advertisement, because Lord knows they don't need the hey, advertisement. Hey, did you hear about that well, bundle with yeah. Hulu <laughs> and ESPN Plus? What a crazy deal! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually am, and I hate myself for it, but I'm legitimately excited for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, same. I mean, we just canceled our cable subscription. Yeah, we did. We realized we don't watch actual TV anymore. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to move on then to talk about um, one of the first film announcements that came out of San Diego Comic Con, and that was for the Black Widow movie, which will come out May 1st, 2020. Um, and people have kind of long been asking for a Black Widow solo film, and we're actually finally going to get one, weirdly enough, after the character, you know, just died <laughs> in Endgame. Uh, it's going to be directed by Australian TV and film director Kate Shortland, known for Somersault, Lord, Berlin Syndrome. And the film will be, yeah. <laughs> I, I assume people know those movies. I don't. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kate. But uh, this movie will be set between Civil War and Infinity War. And uh, other people that are going to be in it are David Harbour, who people know from Stranger Things as Hopper. He's going to be playing Alexei, a.k.a. Red Guardian, the Soviet equivalent of Captain America in the comics. Florence Pugh. Pugh. I don't know Pew. how to pronounce. Pugh? <laughs> I'm thinking about Treasure Island. <laughs> Blind Pugh. <laughs> Florence Pugh as Yelena, described as a sister figure to Natasha and another Black Widow in the comics. O.T. Wow, I'm going to butcher this. I think it's Fagmanel. Fagmanel as Mason and Rachel Weisz in an as-yet-undisclosed role. O.T. Fagmanel is on um, Handmaid's Tale. Okay, cool. Yeah. Neat. Um, Also, Taskmaster is going to be featured as, we're guessing, a villain in this movie. And they showed some footage at Comic-Con actually showing Natasha fighting Yelena in Budapest. Budapest. Or Budapest, as she's called it in the first Avengers movie. Uh, The director, Kate Shortland, says the movie will reveal Nat's past as she, quote, gets to put all the pieces of herself back together. So we're wondering here what we're going to, what are we going to see? Are we going to see, first of all, is Hawkeye going to be in this? Is he going to? 
make another call, you know, like they alluded to in the first Avengers movie. Are we going to get, is Natasha going to somehow be revived from this? Because you have to wonder, you know, they just killed her off and yet now we're getting a solo movie for her. So is there some kind of future for her then past past Endgame that this movie might set up? I don't know. Is that good? Is that bad? Um, personally, I don't, I don't know if I want them to revive her after the sacrifice she made and, and how impactful that was. But on the other hand, that's pretty famous in Marvel comics, you know, that no one stays dead or, you know, like Captain America was assassinated and then came back somehow. And, you know, so I, I don't know. And as for if Hawkeye is going to be in this, I can't imagine he's not going to make some kind of appearance just because of their history together and how little we know about their history together. But it's interesting they didn't announce him being in this, unless yeah. it's supposed to be kind of a surprise. I don't know. It's the thing. I'm sure everyone's expecting it if they're filming in Budapest right now. Yeah. Budapest <laughs> is the the go-to reference for Hawkeye and Black Widow. Right. So you got to feel like we're going to finally see Budapest in this. Yeah. I'm expecting this to be a semi-prequel. I think it's very interesting that their first Phase 4 movie is actually set before infinity war or at least as far as you know they have said that it's post-civil war pre-infinity war but we don't know if there's going to be anything from past that in it or not uh certainly i think we'll be seeing some things before because her backstory is pretty mysterious they've alluded to things here and there but we might finally get to see exactly how much red she has in her ledger she talks about in the avengers i'm mixed on them possibly reviving her i don't know if that's even in the cards, but I know that recently in the comics, probably about a year ago, she had probably the world record for the shortest death uh, uh, because she was killed during the Secret Empire event, which was one that people don't really like to talk about much anymore. That was when Captain America was Hydra uh, and he killed Black Widow. And it was a whole thing. Jeez. Yeah. But it was all Cosmic Cube shenanigans, but she was really dead. <laughs> But then they re released this series, this miniseries, which was actually a great miniseries. I really liked it. And it's actually something I was thinking about for the next thing we're going to talk about, too. It was called, uh, I think it was Tales of Suspense. It was what it was. Uh, but it was starring Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. And in the comics, they both have a romantic history with Natasha. And mm -hmm. there's this person who's going around assassinating old enemies of of I think it was it was either old enemies of Shield or old enemies of Black Widow herself. And Hawkeye thought it was her. Bucky didn't think it was her. They had a really interesting dynamic where they both kind of hate each other but had to put aside their differences to figure this out. And it turned out that she was back because of the Red Room, which is what created which was where all the Black Widows were pretty much trained, created, brainwashed, whatever you want to call it. They kept clone bodies of everyone that ever went through it. Uh, <laughs> Ursa Major, who was a bear, a Russian bear, a literal actual bear, was there and he helped her escape. I honestly, when a they announced talking bear, yep, he's a mutant. I think um, when they announced David Harbor was in it, I honestly thought that that who that's who <laughs> because I thought that would have been amazing. But he's kind of like a bear. But this is cool too, uh, and and they and they did end up bringing back Natasha from the dead shortly after Secret Empire. But it was a really, actually a really good comic series. I highly recommend it, those of you that are interested in checking that out. But I don't know if I really want to see her back just yet because it was a great sacrifice. Yeah. The, 
So I don't, I don't know if that would undermine it. I, I feel like it probably would, although it would maybe explain why Bruce says at the end of Endgame that he tried, but he couldn't bring her back. So who knows? Yeah. Well, what uh, as Stephen King wrote, sometimes dead is better. It's from Pet Cemetery. Okay. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. So I, I, I think it would cheapen the sacrifice. But I mean, you know, as you said, it's comics, it's comic movies people come back all the time i'm curious what's the return policy on a soul stone <laughs> uh there is no receipt so i don't know that's true when cat brings it back does he get anything in return or which incidentally that'd be a great i think you talked about that'd be a great interaction to have seen um him going to vormir but regardless oh hi red skull what are you doing he, here he put the soul stone back we can assume um what that means for Nat, who knows? Uh, but it will be interesting to see her, some of her backstory, or uh, get some more details. Because um, I guess between Civil War and Infinity War, what movies did we have? There wasn't too much that was uh, Earth. Spider-Man and uh, Black Panther. Yeah, Earth so we're ones. outside of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and, uh, and Ant-Man yeah. and the Wasp. But Ant-Man and the Wasp came up. Well, it took place before. It took place before, yeah. So that would be nice to fill in some, like, oh, what's going on with S.H.I.E.L.D. in this uh, time frame? Why did she go blonde? Yeah. (laughs) My question. I think that's the main reason they're making this movie, is to explain why she's (laughs) blonde. It's like, I need to know why her hair changed color. If they make Captain Marvel to show us how Nick Fury lost his eye, this is going to show her why she dyed her hair. Yes. Yeah. I want every cosmetic detail explained in prequel movies. Not to throw you off too, but I like the point you made about the soul stone just because I've not really thought too hard about this, but like they kind of made a point, I feel like, of right before Cap goes back to return the stones of Hulk saying to him, I tried really hard to bring her back. Like, why did they choose that moment for him to say that to Steve if not? You know, that maybe, like you're saying, you know, maybe Steve returning the Soul Stone does bring her back somehow. We just won't know it yet because Steve ends up staying with Peggy in the past and not coming back. It's really interesting. Anyway, continue. Well, that's about it. I'm excited for it. You know, at this point, any Marvel movie is definitely on my radar. It's something I want to see. So, and it'll be cool to see that character in a starring role. Uh, She's been great and you know, as the part of the ensemble and featured in other movies, but it'll be cool to see her carrying the film. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like Marvel's really defied expectations on pretty much everything. I remember being kind of weirded out. They they were ending this phase, the current phase, with Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home. Why? Endgame <laughs> okay. was such a perfect ending. Why are you ending it on Spider-Man that's so random? And then and then you see Spider-Man, you realize oh, okay. why they did yeah. that. Yeah. It's actually yeah. a nice coda to um, it. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, if you want to. Yeah, just one more thing I want to say, actually, sure. is I hope that this shows us a little bit more about the history of the Black Widow program as a whole. Yeah. Uh, I know Angela knows this, but they delved into a little bit on Agent Carter of oh. all places. Mm. Uh, yeah, they they showed a an early version, like a 1940s version of the Black Widows. They never actually came out and said this is the Black Widow program, but it was a Russian program. They were brainwashing little girls 
by showing them like an edited version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, Bridget Regan, Sin Rostro on Jane the Virgin, which yes. we've been watching a lot of lately, uh, was a black widow named Dottie. And she had like the same fighting style as Natasha in the mm. movies where she's grabbing people's necks, spinning with around, and flipping them over. And... That's a neat trick. Yeah. You know, the, the classic. <laughs> it is a neat trick. Yeah. Yippee. Uh, <laughs> Yippee. That's podcasting. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't take credit for Hang that on. joke. Sorry. Oh no, darn. I was going to say we need to do a spin off star Wars. Now that's what I call podcasting, but alas, <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what I saw yesterday at the store? No. Why would I? It's a spinoff. It's a spinoff of now. That's what I call music, and it was now. That's what I call yacht rock. <laughs> Mom, it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I'd love to see the history of the uh, Black Widow program, and if we can get a, a Dottie cameo, that would be great. We got James Darcy in the movies, so let's just start bringing more people in from yeah. Agent Carter. That's that's what I want. <laughs> anyway, I think we can move on now yeah. to the next thing, which is. Our first Disney Plus series, mm-hmm. debuting in fall of 2020, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, this is what I was thinking of when they first announced the show. I was thinking of that Tales of Suspense comic because I was going to say if they take a little bit of the relationship that Hawkeye and Bucky had in that comic, I feel like that could translate pretty well to Sam and Bucky in this because they're certainly friendly, but we have not seen that much of them. But let me go on and describe the show a little bit. It is going to star, of course, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson slash Falcon slash the new Captain America as of the end of Avengers Endgame. And uh, Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes slash the Winter Soldier. It's also starring Daniel Brühl, reprising his role of Helmut Zemo from Captain America Civil War. And according to the very, very brief image that they released at Comic-Con... He is going to finally don the iconic mask from the comics. Is that the, this purple thing? It is that purple thing, yeah. But it like goes down onto his body. Yes, because the story in the comics is that it is stuck to him because of something called Adhesive X. That is his oh evil backstory. God. I bet they probably won't do that. See, he, he took off his mask and his, he looks all ugly, so he starts wearing the mask. He looks like the mummy before the mummy like yeah. regains his human appearance. Yes, he kind of does. Ew. But yeah, it's going to be cool that he actually kind of looks a bit more like his uh, his comic counterpart, probably. Also starring, I don't know if they officially announce this, but it's in all the trades that they, they're at least in talks to make it happen, so I'm sure it's probably happening. Emily Van Camp reprising hey. her role as Sharon Carter slash Agent 13 from the Captain America films as well. No plot details out yet, but the rumor is that it's going to involve the U.S. government, who is not too keen on Sam taking up the mantle of Captain America. So what do do you all... That's pretty much all they've said about this. They haven't released any footage except for that tiny tease of a blurry Baron Zemo in a a mask. So what what do you think? Uh, Well, I'm excited for more development on the Bucky and Sam relationship. We've gotten so little of it, but the bits we have gotten are great. Yeah. Like, especially in Civil War, them in the, the back seat of the car, or one of them <laughs> in the back seat and the other one in the front seat, you know. And can you move? Bickering. No. Yeah. Can you... And then when, the, you know, when I... Cap kisses his niece. <clears throat> are, uh... We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> um, but anyway... They, they're really great together. And I, you know, and I think that speaks a lot to their chemistry as actors, you know, on screen. 
that just those little bits we've gotten have been really popular and come off really well that I think this series will be really successful for that. Um, I'm curious if one of them might end up having a thing with Agent 13. I'm not like hoping for that or anything. And I hope that she's developed to be more like a partner rather than just the love interest because she's the woman, you know, like I hope it's not that shallow. Um, Because she was actually Emily Van Camp. She was the lead in this show on ABC called Revenge a couple years ago. She was pretty badass in that show. My mom loved that show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I saw bits and pieces of it and, you know, so that was pretty cool. So I hope, you know, she gets developed a lot more. Um, I'm just thinking of this now, but your note about the rumor that the U S government doesn't want Sam to take on the cap mantle. Uh I'm wondering if that necessarily has anything to do with Sam himself, or if it's more about that they couldn't control cap before they wanted to with the Sokovia Accords and he was refusing to sign and he was getting the other Avengers to side with him and all that stuff. And maybe they, I don't know if they, you're making a face. Oh, I was, I just wanted to, uh, cause something I wanted to bring up in the comics, there was us agent who was a government captain America, basically uh, one of the times where Steve Rogers was not cap, um, there's a guy called John Walker uh, who uh, you might be able to fill in some more details, Chris, but I know basically he was the government sponsored Captain America and he was this super patriot, which, you know, in today's political climate, I might think it might be interesting to explore how patriotism versus nationalism and what makes Captain America who he is versus who the government maybe wants. Um Mm-hmm. So I actually I pulled the Wikipedia article and the creator said he um, was, John Walker was somebody who embodied patriotism in a way that Captain America didn't a patriotic villain uh, opposite of Steve Rogers. So Steve is a poor northern urban boy. So uh, John Walker is a rural middle class southern guy. Uh, so this guy is supposed to be a young up and comer and basically really intense. So I've seen some speculation that that's what the, the angle will go with, where we have our two guys, Falcon and Winter Soldier, who, you know, we know and would probably live up to Steve Rogers uh high expectations, much more than some uber patriot nationalist guy. Yeah. yeah. So I think that'd be interesting to see. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and you can, I can't speak on this too much, but I know that when when Sam became Captain America in the comics, he clashed a little bit with Steve because Steve was still around. He was just an old man because of it's a long story, uh, <laughs> not time travel. He had the super soldier serum sucked out of his body by uh, a supervillain. It's very strange, but he picked Sam to be his successor. Uh, and they did... Not come to blows, but they had disagreements, but it was respectful disagreements. But there were a lot of people in the comics and unfortunately also in real life uh, who were not super excited about Captain America now being a black man uh, because he had slightly different priorities than Steve Rogers did. And I think it would be disingenuous for them to completely ignore that in this series. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be very blatant that yes this is the problem but i think that it is going to be a subtext to the show and i think that's going to be very interesting as well and uh on a side note going back to the chemistry thing we we're talking about of seeing falcon and winter soldier together if you've ever watched any of the 
like press joking interviews, they always pair up Anthony Mackie <laughs> and Sebastian Stan, and they have so much fun together. They're always goofing on each other. So I think that will be a lot of fun to see that. And I want to give a shout out to, to my cousin-in-law, Kevin, who's emailed the show before. We've talked about it a little bit. Uh, we were over at their house a couple weeks ago, and he said something about this I thought was really interesting that I hadn't considered. If the government isn't keen on Sam being Captain America, could that be represented by General Thunderbolt Ross or Secretary of Defense Thunderbolt Ross hmm. now? And taking that a step further... Zemo in the comics is the founder of the quote unquote, sometimes they were good, sometimes they were bad, but it was a team of supervillains called the Thunderbolts. Could it be that General Ross is now putting together his own team of Thunderbolts led by Zemo? They're, they're almost like the, uh, the Marvel equivalent of the Suicide Squad, minus the whole, there's a bomb in you and if you step out of line, we'll blow you up. Uh, so that could be really interesting if there is now a new team of Maybe we'll see some familiar villains, maybe maybe some new ones. But if they're led by Zemo, they become the new Thunderbolts team. And maybe they're playing General Ross. Maybe General Ross will finally become Red Hulk like he has in the comics. Who knows? There are a lot, of, a lot of interesting places they could take this. Maybe they won't do anything with the Thunderbolts at all. And I will mention that Bucky actually was the leader of the Thunderbolts a few years ago in the comics as well. So that could be a whole other... Uh, thing they can do so, so there's there's a lot of potential here in the show i think yeah i hope they do thunderbolts so we can have somebody say so that's it huh or some kind of thunderbolts <laughs> <laughs> wow i don't get it it's a suicide squad oh. oh so that's it huh we're some kind of suicide squad some kind of hulk the famous line <laughs> from suicide oh, yes. squad you must be some kind of abomination. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Should we move on? Did you have anything else to say about the show before we move on, Danny? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, hang so, on. Oh, oh. oh. I'm excited for it. All right. Cool. That was almost. That was almost. You know the obligatory ASMR. Peaches, this is for you. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for them to hear this episode. So The Eternals. Ah, yes. That's the next film that we know about coming out uh, after Black Widow. That's coming out November 6th, 2020. It's going to be about an ancient immortal race who protect mankind from the deviants, which are mutated Eternals, and purport to be the inspiration for various gods and goddesses throughout human history. Uh, The Eternals were created by Jack Kirby after returning to Marvel after creating the somewhat similar new gods at DC, who are also getting a movie, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's cool. I didn't know Jack Kirby left and then came Yeah, back. he left. He went to DC for a little while. He created uh, the new gods, which include Darkseid. Okay. And uh, Steppenwolf, who we all know and love from the Justice League movie. <laughs> that, that video game looking guy yeah. in Justice League. Yeah, but the new gods actually are pretty interesting characters. There's an evil granny, and she's called Granny Goodness. <laughs> and uh, Ed Asner, I think, was the voice of her on the Justice League cartoon. Ooh. Ed Asner? Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, That's amazing. Guy. What's up, guy? <laughs> <laughs> so The Eternals is going to be directed by Chloe, Chloe Zhao. Zhao. And uh, starring Richard Madden, who people might know from Game of Thrones as Rob Stark. He's going to be playing Icarus, 
We will also have Angelina Jolie as Athena or Athena. She's Athena. Well, so I said they purported to be the inspiration for the gods, which obviously doesn't make sense because all the Greek gods exist in the Marvel Universe. All the Norse gods exist in the Marvel (laughs) Universe. But when the idea was that Icarus, spelled with a K, K I-K-A-R-I-S, was the inspiration for Icarus, I-C-A-R-U-S. Athena was the inspiration for Athena. And you'll okay. be able to make some uh, some connections with some of these names here. Gotcha. Some more obvious than others. We also have Kumail Nanjani as Kingo. Salma Hayek as Ajak, the leader of the Eternals, according to Kevin Feige. Brian Tyree Henry as Bastos. Bastos, yeah. Who is a genius, apparently. I'm assuming he's a Hephaestus uh, analog, but I'm not sure. Don Lee as Gilgamesh, Leah McHugh as Sprite, and Lauren Ridloff as Makari. Which is Mercury. Oh. That's the uh, connection there. Sprite, I think, is supposed to be like... Lemon Lime. Puck or something. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Chris pulled up some concept art that was released um, of the Celestials, but who created the Eternals, apparently. And Celestials were seen slash alluded to in guardians of the galaxy i believe ego yeah, was e- ego a is a celestial uh not in the comics but in this in the movies he's a celestial nowhere is in the head of a cel- of a dead celestial oh interesting and i always wondered why it looked that way yeah and the uh when the collector is describing the infinity stones to them in the first one uh we do see an actual, stone? yeah, with the power stone. That was uh, a celestial. That was a celestial. Eson the searcher. Eson, thank you. I was about to look up. Nice. I mean, it was the searcher or something. So Eson the searcher. He's a celestial. And you can see the design is yeah. pretty similar. Do you guys get any vibes from? I'm sorry to the listeners who can't see this, but the this concept art of the celestials from the Eternals. At least the guy kind of closest to the front kind of looks like a sentinel. Mm, kind of does look like a sentinel. Yeah. Like, why do they look robust? Robotic. Like you celestials, I would think would look, you know, heavenly or like kind of misty and, you know, ethereal, not because Jack Kirby designed the celestials. So that's the best <laughs> best reason I can give you. That's just his style. Okay. You think Jack Kirby style in the movies, you think of Thor Ragnarok. The pretty much everything on that planet right. looks very Kirby esque. Yeah, that was awesome. And this movie's gonna be, I assume, very Kirby esque as well, because this is straight up this isn't Stanley and Jack Kirby or or it's this is just straight up pure unfiltered Jack Kirby. Nice. So it'll be nice. very strange and uh, just like Penny Lane. Yeah, <laughs> very strange. So fun fact: in the comics, a group of Eternals settled on Titan, where Thanos is from, and Thanos is descended from them and carries the Deviant gene. And apparently, note that Chris has here: these characters have never really been all that successful in the comics. They literally just killed Wall. them all off. <laughs> Sheesh. Like, a year ago time to reboot them <laughs> so yep <laughs> as for these you know what we think about this uh for me i don't have a whole lot of opinions on this yet at least we i mean i guess we know very little about it frankly um i think the biggest hurdle that they will come across is convincing the audience to give a damn about these characters i think that was a similar hurdle they had to overcome for guardians because I, I remember when the news started coming out about Guardians and I was kind of, I was skeptical of it. It was, mm. looked, looked and sounded kind of weird. Um, and, Bradley Cooper? Yeah, yeah. And the tree. Yeah. 
and then it was amazing. So, you know, this could be the same thing. Um, so who knows? Yeah. It has a similar issue with, excuse me, the same, same obstacle the guardians had where not only is it not really well known among the general public, but even most comic book fans, they didn't care about the guardians of the galaxy that much when that movie came out and they don't really care about the Eternals. I mean, there are some diehards who probably do, but they have tried and tried over the years to make the, the Eternals work. I um, wonder, sorry. I was going to say the most recent uh, reboot I think they did well, as a miniseries was actually written by Neil Gaiman. And even that one didn't do very well. And people love Neil Gaiman. So yeah. what are you going to say? I wonder if something that could stand in their way of people connecting with these characters is, you know, with Guardians, you had Chris Pratt as um, Star-Lord and he's half human. And I think people kind of relate to him. He's very flawed. He's very human, you know? Um, and even the other characters, even though they're not technically human, are very human-esque, obviously. Gamora and, mm -hmm. and Drax and Mantis and stuff. And I, I just, I'm hoping these Eternals are not too, you know, far off, you know, kind yeah. of kind of crazy that people can't really connect with them. I, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll find a way to humanize the characters, whether or not they actually give, if there's going to be a human point of view character in there or not, I'm not sure. I'm interested to see how it does tie in with everything else. I remember with guardians, I think everyone was skeptical of it. And then the first trailer came out and it said, Nope, no, this is good. I want this movie. Yeah. And they could very well pull that off again with this. I think it's got a very interesting cast mm -hmm. and you've got Angelina Jolie, Brian Tyree, Henry, Kumail Nanjiani, who's a favorite of mine, uh, Salma Hayek. I mean, it is a great, great cast right there. So I think that will hopefully Dana's draw people in. making a face in. again. All right. <laughs> Sorry, no, Bear's jumping up on my lap. Oh, okay. Uh, Just the dog. Just the dog. <laughs> Did you have more you wanted no, to that say? Was, that was it. I, I'm curious about this one. I well, This is where we'll really see, does the Marvel name bring people in in and of itself. And that's hard for me to say even that's all it's going to be because, again, if they put out a good trailer like they did with Guardians, maybe it will. Maybe it won't just be the Marvel name. It'll be like, hey, Marvel's making a movie. I wonder what it's going to be like. Trailer comes out. This looks good. I want to see it. Yeah, kind of like Pixar. You know, people will buy into whatever Pixar yeah. puts out, basically. Yeah. Even if they're skeptical, they're like, well, it's Pixar, so it'll probably be good. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Marvel has pretty much earned that at this point. Yeah. I mean, look how well all their movies do now so yeah. so yeah so I, i'm this will be an interesting one to watch i'll be watching it with great interest <laughs> uh i don't have much to add uh great cast um i did see there are some leaked photos of set being built that is supposedly an aztec temple which was oh, a wow. setting in one of the comics so it looks like they're going for right. that and you can see like the statue out front it definitely has that kirby-esque design to it so so hopefully that means they are sticking to that design uh, that style because that is very cool and unique and those are my thoughts on the eternals all right, all right. excited for it our <laughs> land of contrast <laughs> coming up after the eternals uh i'm pretty excited about this one february 12 2021 in theaters shang chi and the legend of the ten rings this is a very interesting one. Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, that comic book, uh, that comic character debuted in 1973. 
The story of how Shang-Chi came to be is an interesting and kind of confusing one. Marvel had the license to create comics based on British author Sax Romer's Fu Manchu series of novels, which also had been featured in films, television, radio programs throughout the first half of the 20th century. Fun fact, Sax Romer had no knowledge of Chinese culture whatsoever and decided to create the villainous Fu Manchu after his after he asked his Ouija board what the most dangerous competition to quote the white man was, and it spelled out C-H-I-N-A-M-A-N. So his novels tapped into the super racist yellow peril that was spreading through North America at the time. Yikes. Yes, no, this <sighs> the yellow peril interesting period in history because people were they were concerned a that asian people were moving to america and bringing drugs with them but also that they were going to take up all the spots in college i'm not even making that up oh my god uh, yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. this also seems like straight out of uh bioshock infinite <laughs> yeah yes yeah let he consult yeah, so, the spirits and the, ah yes yeah, the easterners this does not, this is a, does not excuse it, but it does explain it. This was the early 20th century. Uh, another fun fact: Marvel really wanted to make comics based on the David Carradine TV show Kung Fu, which was a Kung Fu Western TV show. Uh, but they were denied the license by the show's owner, Warner Communications, which you might also know as the owner of DC Comics. So yeah, that was never going to fly. So Shang Chi is an original Marvel character who was created as the son of the villain Fu Manchu. Although originally created as part of a licensing deal, he is a wholly owned Marvel character. And he's part of the Marvel Universe, and he's been a part of several superhero teams, including the Avengers. The film is going to introduce, for the first time in the MCU, the Mandarin. The real Mandarin. Who's first referenced in Iron Man 3, where we had Ben Kingsley playing Trevor Slattery, (laughs) who was pretending to be the Mandarin. And then later in the Marvel one-shot, All Hail the King which was a bonus on one of the Blu-rays where they revealed that there was a real Mandarin out there who really ran the Ten Rings, the criminal organization, the terrorist organization that we've seen in the Iron Man movies. Uh, So we're actually going to find out who this real Mandarin is. So the movie is directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton, who directed Short Term 12 and The The Glass Castle. It stars Simu Liu as Shang-Chi. And Tony Leung, I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, and I apologize, as the Mandarin, and Aquafina in an as-yet-unrevealed role. So, I think this sounds interesting. Sounds like it's going to be a modern-day kung fu movie. That's a fun. Uh, uh, that could be a lot of fun to see. It is a fun. It is a fun. <laughs> and based on the title, uh, it sounds like it's going to tap into a bit of the mystical side as well. The Legend of the Ten Rings. We already know the Ten Rings as the criminal organization from Iron Man. But, in the comics, this all started out as an Easter egg. Because the Mandarin was one of Tony Stark's greatest villains. He was an Iron Man villain originally. And he's one that was very difficult for them to bring to the screen because, sort of like Fu Manchu, there are a lot of negative stereotypes in him. But what the big thing is that he has ten magical rings. So with the Legend of the Ten Rings, I wonder if we are actually going to see the Mandarin with these ten magical rings. And it sounds like... we're speculating here, but it sounds like they're keeping the idea of Shang-Chi being the son of a famous villain, but fitting it into the MCU by having that famous villain be the Mandarin and not an old character that is not a Marvel character at all. You mentioned the mystical. Is this? Does any of this relate to Doctor Strange? 
It could. It very well could. I, I don't know if it will or not, but there is certainly that possibility. Uh, I'm not sure where those ten rings come from. I think in the comics they were alien rings. Okay. All, but they could go all sorts of different ways with it. And I think the built-in tie-in to Iron Man, uh, no matter how much they will or won't reference it, I think that's going to uh, bring in some interest to it as well. What do you all think? Um, well, first off, I... I wonder if they'll have some throwaway line in this movie, you know, alluding to the the Brit who played a fake version of the Mandarin, you know, just like, ugh, that, that a-hole or that, that, that idiot, you know, who played, I don't know. I just wonder if they'll, there will be any kind of just throwaway, like, little connection to that. Or, yeah, I guess that's possible. Because at the end of that one shot, that short, the Ten Rings kidnap him from jail to take him to meet the real mandarin and that's how it ends okay and that was how they introduced the idea that the real mandarin is out there somewhere yeah so yeah and i depending on how well they pull off the mandarin in this film like that might justify you know because i know a lot of people were mad about how they did the mandarin in iron man 3 and but this might kind of end up proving like it's that it's good that at the time in iron man 3 that that was what they did that because they might have Honestly, if they had tried to do the real Mandarin back then, it might have not mm-hmm. come off very well. It might have there might have not have been enough room to do a good job with the Mandarin in that film because of all the other stuff going on, all the inner conflict that Tony was having, you know, about the Battle of New York and all that stuff. So, I'm it it might end up being a really good thing that they saved it for for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just hope this movie is kind of like what Black Panther did, but the, this is going to be an excellent showcase for just some stellar, you know, Asian and Asian American talent, you know, and it could end up doing a similar thing where it's really makes its mark, you know, on, on, on our culture, on, on the kids, you know, and families watching and I don't know, it could be, yeah, could be huge. It, it could be it really could be cool. Really big. Yeah. I mean, look, look at how well crazy rich Asians did. Right. And that was, quote unquote just a romantic comedy yeah but it was important to a lot of people and it did very well so throw that into a marvel movie which is always an event for just everyone in the world this movie's gonna do gangbusters in china too i'm sure probably yeah yeah danny what i am interested in seeing how chi fits in with the rest of the marvel cast because his powers are basically good at kung fu yeah (laughs) Uh, although I was reading, uh, apparently in the comics, now he can duplicate himself, which, oh. so you can have multiple Shang's Chi, um, <laughs> and that could be interesting. I, I don't know how much of that stuff they'll go into in the comics, but he, or sorry, in the movies, but he's also very in tune with his Chi as his, it's in his name. So he's gotta be, but, um, he's able to yeah. focus in on Chi and apparently, According to Wikipedia, he was able to detect a psionically masked Jean Grey just by sensing her energy. Um, so obviously wow. Jean Grey, not in the MCU yet, but we all know her as a very powerful psychic mutant. Um, so I'm just curious how they'll approach it and how he'll be powered in the movie. If it'll be mainly just Kung Fu stuff and then kind of incorporate the Chi and maybe the duplicates at some point, but I don't know. I think just obviously, you know, Natasha, Hawkeye don't have superpowers, but they've they held their own. So I'm sure no problem yeah. 
fitting him in, but with this character, the potential to branch out a little bit with the uh, the chi and see how that's explored. It might be refreshing for a lot of people who might be kind of tired of all the, you know, fantastical stuff that's been happening. Granted, I, you're going to get some of that with the Mandarin if yeah. it's all that mystical stuff. But still, with Shang-Chi himself, that might be refreshing for people, you know, who miss like having kind of a more grounded yeah. superhero. Go from the Eternals yeah. to Kung Fu Bay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually they'll cross yeah, over. Of and course. <laughs> it's, it's Shang-Chi that's the fun will uh, give a nice chop to uh, Icarus. Yeah. <laughs> you must have some kind of she. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're going to move on to talk about WandaVision, which is our next Disney Plus series that'll come out um, in spring 2021. Wow, that's so far away. I know. Um, So we'll have Elizabeth Olsen reprising her role of Wanda Maximoff and Paul Bettany reprising his role of Vision somehow. Also featuring Teona Paris as a grown-up Monica Rambeau. We did we have seen Monica already as a little girl in Captain Marvel. So this will be her all grown up. Also, she's known as Photon in the comics, among other superhero names, including Captain Marvel she at was, one point. Yep. Showrunner is reportedly Jack Schaefer, a co-writer of Captain Marvel. This will be set after Endgame, which is interesting. Uh, speculation that it will draw from Tom King's Vision comics. Yeah. So we obviously don't know a whole lot about this yet. I'm kind of confused because it's is set after Endgame, but Vision died, and it was just another up in the air question. Just like with Black Widow, is like, okay, so I guess they're bringing him back. Like, how are they doing that? I know comics, you mm-hmm. know, can do anything. So who who knows? We will see. Yeah, and it's weird out too. It's set after Endgame, so it's current times. Yet there's kind of a '50s vibe going on with like the logo and stuff i and love I, the logo I'm, I'm curious what that's about are we gonna have time travel like I, i'm not sure where they're headed with this so. mm-hmm. this show is gonna be so weird i think and i can't wait to see it i i have no clue i was very surprised when i heard that uh monica rainbow is gonna be a part of this i don't know really know how she's gonna fit in so we mentioned tom king's vision comics that was a very critically acclaimed comic run a couple years back where vision moves into the suburbs and creates his own synthesoid family of visions. Like, but he has like a vision wife and vision children and they look like vision, but it's, I'm going to pull up one of the covers just so Angela can see it. Synthesoid sounds like something out of power Rangers. Yeah, it does. That's, that's what they call. That's what they call what vision is, is, is a synthesoid. So, there we go. So there's the cover. There they are, phasing through the door. He and his, he and his wife and kids. Boy. And uh, apparently, and I have I have not read it yet. I was trying to charge my iPad so I could read it earlier. It's but it's it was brilliantly received. Everyone loved it, and Wanda did fa- factor into it somehow. But it was all about Vision trying to learn about what it's like to actually be a human, and it, everything goes terribly wrong. Naturally. Of course. Hmm. So I am wondering. Is Wanda so stricken with grief right now that she's creating like an alternate reality where she can live in a perfect little 50s home with vision, maybe? Ooh. 
I uh, like I don't know. The, again, this is baseless speculation, but I think this show is going to be really weird, and I'm very excited for it. <laughs> Danny, do you have any opinions, thoughts, feelings? Yeah. So if we she brings back Vision somehow, I wonder if she will think to do anything with Quicksilver, who we know tragically was lost at the end of Age of Ultron. Uh, yeah. Her brother, her twin brother, right? Are they twins? Yeah, the Maximoff twins. So I was yeah. thinking about yeah. that earlier. I wonder if this is a way to, uh, you know, obviously Vision being a synthesoid, I suppose he's built. And that's easier to do than a human, maybe. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I was just thinking, what if what if Quicksilver comes back somehow? That would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I yeah, especially since that. they're rebooting the mutants. Yeah, bringing them bringing them into the MCU. That'd be interesting. And speaking of mutants, you know, a big storyline was House of M, which Scarlet Witch created a whole new reality, basically. And I think Wolverine was the only one that realized it was not actual reality. So that was a whole thing. Right. The House of M was Scarlet Witch, Magneto, and probably Quicksilver was in there as well. But they kind of were ruling over this new. Yeah. They were the House of M, um, and they were ruling over this new reality. So I don't know too much about that, but I know it was a huge storyline, right. and it you know basically rewrote the comics for, for a little bit because it was this yeah. all new yeah. universe and try to figure out how do we get back to real life. But Scarlet Witch in the comics is so powerful, and that's not been explored too much i mean you saw her ripping thanos up a little bit yeah. in the end game yeah. before he <laughs> had all the ships fire down onto earth yeah um i love that moment she has in infinity war when she leaves vision's side to go down to the battlefield and she like all those big rolling machines she manages to like push them yeah and, and then Okoye says, why was she up there all this time? <laughs> yes. yeah. So we've had like teases at her powerful at her power, but we haven't seen any reality bending necessarily yeah. from her yet. So I wonder how much that'll get explored. And in the other upcoming uh film that she'll be featured in. Yes. Look at that. How about that segue, Eduardo? Because, yeah. because the next movie we're going to talk about is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness Ugh. which is debuting May 7th <laughs> I there's some disagreement over here because I think that's one of the greatest movie titles I've ever heard uh, I love it Scott Derrickson the director of the original is back as is Benedict Cumberbatch as the titular Doctor Strange and also Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff the events of WandaVision are going to directly play into this film. So I'm very intrigued to see how that happens. Has she created That's That's what uh, makes me think that we're going to get some wonkiness yeah. in uh, WandaVision yeah. if literally the next thing is about the multiverse. Yeah, has, she, has she broken the multiverse somehow? <laughs> Wonky vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, we're not going to get a one to one House of M because House of M is all about her decimating well it's actually reverse decimation of mutant kind because yeah it starts with her saying no more mutants and then only one in ten mutants survives and that that's a literal decimation no no it's it's the it's no decimation is when you kill one in ten. Oh, 
nine and ten. So it's sorry, a non-decimation. <laughs> First decimation. Anyway, but uh, but yeah, if she does something that messes with the multiverse to bring Vision back, and Doctor Strange has to go fix it could be very interesting and this movie is also described as marvel's first horror movie yeah so well <laughs> speak on that yeah i well i'm excited about it being a horror movie i don't who knows if i'll end up liking it but i i'm intrigued definitely you know because we've talked about in these episodes you know kind of the marvel formula that a lot of these movies fell into uh with kind of how how the plots of the different movies unfolded and, and, you know, the roles that the heroes and the villains play is kind of predictable. And, you know, so I think it is kind of refreshing that they're going to go in a bit of a different direction and make this a horror movie the same way that they took a chance on Spider-Man and made that kind of a coming of age, you know, teen flick. Like, so that, I think that's pretty cool. Um, This title though, man, the doctor strange Strange in the the multiverse multiverse of madness Madness. that's so first of all it's so long there's not even like a a colon (laughs) to separate it or anything (laughs) because he's in the multiverse yeah i know but it just seems really heavy-handed ridiculous i don't know i well i think it's an allusion to in the mountains of madness by uh by hp lovecraft sure yeah so i think that's what they were going for which is why I'm hoping that we're going to get Shumagarath. I I'm probably also not like as excited about this as other people, just because I was not a huge fan of the first Doctor Strange, which I'm sure others will disagree with me on. But did did not love that movie. Fair so <laughs> maybe this will be better though. Maybe I'll like this one yeah. better because they're going in a different direction with it. So yeah. Scott and, Derrickson comes from a horror background. So yeah, so that yeah. might play into his strengths more. And and I love Elizabeth Olsen, so I mm-hmm. this I might end up liking this a lot more. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, don't know any plot details, but you know, Doctor Strange left off with uh, Mordo taking sorcery away from some of the other sorcerers and I don't know how, if that's going to tie into this at all, or if they'll just leave that for other future Dr. Strange movies, or if at all, they'll pick up on that. But I mean, Mordo is a classic Dr. Strange villain. So I'd be surprised if he's not back at any point, but I don't know how uh, that would fit into a multiverse of madness, but we'll see. Um, I was a big fan of Dr. Strange. I thought mainly just like the, the visuals especially like you think about that first scene where uh you've got mm-hmm. the ancient one and hannibal um doing magic in the streets <laughs> um and just like the way the buildings are folding in on each other and then you know when dr strange and mordo are running around from uh what, what's the character's name kaecilius Cassilius, yes, thank you. I, I didn't hear what you said earlier. Cassilius. Um, just, that was so cool. I am looking forward to more stuff like that. One of my favorite parts of Far From Home was the Mysterio dream oh, vision goodness. sequences. Stuff like that. Always, uh, always a fan of that. So I'm hoping to get some really trippy and horrifying scenes in this one. You know what that stuff reminds me of? Have you seen... Um... The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yes. That reminds me of that. 
That was the one with Heath Ledger and others. That was Heath yeah. Ledger's last movie that yeah. he ever did. Okay. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp and... Was oh Colin crap. Firth? Colin... Yeah. No, not Colin, Colin Firth, though. No, the other Colin. Colin, uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I always get that. That would have been a very different movie if it had yeah. been Colin Firth. Yeah, and Andrew Garfield was in it. It was directed by Terry. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, exactly. It is really, like, fantastical... Yeah, visual. kind of like absurdist sort of art yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. No, it's Yeah, I'd like to see more surrealism yeah. in the Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah, Doctor Strange. When we get a David Lynch Marvel movie, that will be the day. Oh boy. I will, I will buy tickets immediately. David Lynch is that isn't that the social network guy? No, that's uh that's David Fincher. Oh. David, <laughs> David, <laughs> David Lynch is Twin Peaks, Eraserhead. Oh, sorry. Uh, Drive. Sorry to everyone that hates me for not knowing that. <laughs> very, very, very strange, dreamlike stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I like Danny. I loved the visuals of Doctor Strange. It's the rare movie that I actually went to see in 3D because I just wanted to see how it was going to look, and I was not disappointed. It was, and I normally do not like 3D, but I, uh, I enjoyed it in this movie. And like I said, I'm hoping for Shuma Garoth, who I pretty much only know from Marvel versus Capcom 2, <laughs> and a cold monster with an eyeball, uh, and or Mephisto. I think this would be a great way to introduce some of those characters into the MCU. I know Scott Derrickson has also said that he's very interested in Nightmare as a potential villain for Doctor Strange someday, uh, who is literally a guy who goes into nightmares and controls things there. And he's kind of been hinting lately on Twitter about Namor the Submariner. Doesn't mean that he's actually using Namor, but he's without context tweeted covers of comics where Doctor Strange and Namor have been together. So who knows? But there are a lot, there's a lot of potential for this movie to be something really different and unique and special. (laughs) Unrelated, but kind of related. We were playing a game last weekend with Kevin, the aforementioned uh, cousin-in-law and his wife, your y'all's cousin. Um, game very similar to Code. Of the listeners, <laughs> Kevin. Um, yeah, right. We were playing a game very similar to Code Names, if anyone listening is familiar, um, where basically you have to get, you look at words and then you have to get other people on your team to guess those words through using other words, yeah. kind of. Basically, is that's as simply as I can put it. One of the <laughs> words was fish, I think, and yes. Kevin put down as a clue Namor, <laughs> and really screwed over the other team because they were like Namor. He knew that only I would understand. And they that. were like, "Are you allowed to?" Do, you know, and then they started looking it up on their phones, and he was like, "No, no, you can't do that. That's against the rules." <laughs> you have Excellent. to be. Hey, Kevin. Google it, but you're not allowed to Google it. But it has to be, it can't be an inside joke. The rules are that it has to be something that you could look up and make the connection, but you're not allowed to do so in the middle of the game. So, oh, man. So, Kevin, I applaud you for that move. <laughs> yeah, he used Namor and Grayson's, I think, in the same round. Uh, for circus. For circus. Yeah. Excellent. Which our grandparents actually were able to make that connection of, well, hey, um, there you go. We're talking about Dick Grayson, but they couldn't figure out. They, they didn't get circus from that, but they made the connection of, oh, he's talking about Robin. <laughs> so good on them. Good, good times. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the next Disney Plus series coming out, that'll be Loki coming out spring 2021. 
cue all of the assembly required boys just fawning all over this series. Tom Hiddleston. Oh, oh Tom. Oh. <laughs> the best actor I've ever seen. We, we all love Tom. Especially Eduardo. Yeah. <laughs> about tom all day yeah. but um this hey i don't disagree no i yeah. no that's that's one of eduardo's few takes that is not hot <laughs> that's his <laughs> that's a cool take um but this show will follow the loki that stole the tesseract during the time heist in avengers endgame on adventures through time and space apparently there was some leaked concept art that shows loki in the 1970s yeah, he's so, walking by a theater with jaws on the marquee i think is what so, it was <laughs> yeah that sounds interesting um i just kind of like wandavision and the some of the other projects that have been announced i'm just i'm a little confused how they're gonna do pull this off like explain it basically i i mean i know he stole the tesseract and went back to whatever i, I don't know i just First of all, I didn't know the Tesseract could control time at all. How does he go back in time? That, I thought it was just space. That, re- that remains to be seen. Warp place to place. That remains um, to be seen. <laughs> I thought Cap returning all the Infinity Stones meant that we were returned to this single timeline, like Tilda Swinton shows uh, Bruce in, the, in Endgame. I thought that timeline was restored, so... But if Loki disappeared with the, te- you know, you know what I mean, like. Well, that created a separate branch, maybe now. I guess I, yeah. I thought Cap fixed that, or or that he would have returned the Tesseract baby to, right after Loki stole it. I don't know if well, that would fix it. The Tesseract they took was from the seventies, though. Oh right. It was back at Camp Lehigh. Right. Good point. So. Yeah. So, but this sounds awesome. We, you know, we all love Loki, and to get to see him again and have his own show where he's gonna shine, I think is going to be a really good time so yeah i just wonder if when cap goes back to 2012 and loki takes the tesseract is he going to have to then go after this loki and try to get the tesseract back to fix the timeline there too because this is a whole other branch reality now that's been created so who knows are we going to see more of steve rogers probably not but probably not but who knows <laughs> uh, they've got to address it somehow and also, it's going to be interesting that this is Loki that's straight out of the Avengers. He hasn't had the numerous opportunities at redemption and character growth that he had in the other two Thor movies and in Infinity War as well. So it will be interesting to see this version of Loki. Yeah, maybe this Loki will end up pulling a Gamora and cross over to the main timeline at some point. So we get Loki back. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I think... Like- I don't it. think people will complain too much. Yeah. Nope. I, I, I'll never complain yeah. about Loki. <laughs> I will <laughs> complain about the logo. You don't like the logo? It's a mess. It's like four different fonts. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at it earlier. I'm just going to pull it up right now so we can we can judge it some. Graphic design talk. Loki logo. Loki logo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is kind of a wild... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, Wild. I don't know. It doesn't affect, it's not affecting my interest in the show at all. It's like, ugh, geez. The L kind of looks like the original Thor logos typeface. Uh-huh. But I don't know. The other ones are just like, oh, let's just throw a few different styles. I'm sure this is a stretch, but in the O of the O in Loki, 
it looks like the Black Widow. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what the, I just noticed that. I say the O and the I at least look kind of like they go together because they look like sort of that old. Yeah, but then you have like the shiny emerald Actually, eye and then like the rusty or not rusty, like tarnished brass O. Those are Loki colors. Yeah, I know. If green... you want to implement the colors, you could do it in a better way. Yeah. That K is just outrageous. It, it is truly outrageous. <laughs> the thing I pulled up says new Marvel logos include this Loki abomination, and I. That's what yeah. I, I I happen to agree with that one. Again, this logo is some kind of abomination. Show's gonna be great, I'm sure. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston, Loki, all great logo. Yeah. There's a thumbs down for our listeners. For it though, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out. Like, it's probably somehow appropriate episode four why the k looks this way (laughs) what a strange name for an episode moving on debuting in summer 2021 on disney plus what if dot 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 question (laughs) very excited it is an animated series based on the comic series of the same name in which uatu the watcher who on the show will be voiced by jeffrey wright you might know him from westworld don't gives readers a glimpse into the multiverse to see how the Marvel universe we know would be different under different circumstances. Some examples from the comics include what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four or what if Wolverine had killed the Hulk? So several stories that originally were originally presented in what if later went on to occur, albeit with different details in the main 616 universe of the comics including what if Jane Foster had found the hammer of Thor and what if the Hulk had the brain of Bruce Banner? So the series has several MCU actors returning to reprise their film. I think several is an understatement. I'm going to now just read off a few. I spelled a word wrong. Apparently Uh, I'm going to read off a few. Michael B. Jordan, Sebastian Stan, uh, Josh Brolin. I'm going to give their character names. Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger, Sebastian Stan, Bucky Barnes, Josh Brolin, Thanos, Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Loki, Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury, Chris Hemsworth, Thor, Haley Atwell, Yay! Agent Peggy Carter, Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther, Karen Gillan, Nebula, Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye, Paul Rudd, Ant-Man, Michael Douglas, different <laughs> Ant-Man, Neil McDonough, uh, Dum Dum Dugan, Dominic Cooper, young Howard Stark, Sean Gunn, Craglin, Natalie Portman, Jane Foster, Stanley Tucci, the Tucci Man, <laughs> Dr. Erskine, uh, Taika Waititi, Korg, hey man, Toby Jones, Dr. Arnim Zola, Jimon Honsu, um, uh, Ew, uh, don't do that, Korath, Korath the Pursuer, My- Michael Rooker, Yondu, and Jeff Goldblum as himself, <laughs> as the Grandman. So that is a murderer's row of talent involved in this show, which is just great. And the rumors suggest that the first episode and possibly the whole season are going to follow what if Agent Carter had become Captain America. And I just exploded internally. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Rest in peace, Angela. I'm sorry you won't get to see it. (laughs) Do you want to elaborate on that? I mean, we your your love of Peggy Carter is well, uh, well established. I gosh, if she can live on in any any media form i'm i'm for it even yeah. though i did just read an article where Haley atwell basically said you know she thought the ending in endgame was perfect and she's you know a th- 
a theater actress and she kind of wants to get into other roles now. Hmm. But she did say, I think in that same interview, she was like, but, you know, with doing what if and doing these other like little like voice acting and stuff. Yeah. I think she still enjoys doing that and still being kind of part of the Marvel family. Yeah, there are rumors we might see her on Agents of Shield again this year, which I'm really or oh on a final gosh. season, so I'm really hoping. Agent Carter just has so much possibility because she's she's so amazing. She's so talented. She's so smart. She's so <laughs> could go on and on. But anyway, this show also sounds kind of like Marvel's answer to the Star Wars animated series, like Rebels, Resistance, Clone Wars. So I'm I'm for it. I think this could be really fun and a good way to to get like kids more involved. Not that kids aren't already super involved in in the Marvel, you know, fandom, but I think some of the movies are very heavy and and can get kind of dark and you know, there's some sad stuff that happens and but this this is kind of this is more kid friendly as well, but still for everybody. Yeah. I am very excited for this show. I've always loved alternate universe stories, those the what if type stories of where you take a story that you know and change one thing with the butterfly effect. This one in particular, uh, from some of the rumors, it sounds a lot like a, a series that I really enjoyed that Marvel published called Bullet Points. The the concept of that was what if the bullet that killed Doctor Erskine was fired 24 hours earlier. So what happens in that story is that he is killed by the Hydra agent or whoever a day earlier, and he's killed at the airport when he's getting ready to fly to go actually make Steve Rogers Captain America. He is killed. The serum is destroyed. Also killed by this bullet is the young private who was escorting him, Benjamin Parker. Hmm. So they cannot make Steve Rogers Captain America, but they have another program that seemed a little bit more dangerous that they decided that he volunteered. He said, look, I still want to do this. And it was this prototype suit, uh, a suit made of iron that had repulsor technology and other such things. So Steve Rogers becomes the 1940s Iron Man. Hmm. Peter Parker, who does not have the the grounding influence of, of uncle Ben in his life becomes a bit of a hellion and he is off in, he's, he's getting in trouble at this, at this secret military site. I forget what, exactly what he's doing, but he's, you know, vandalizing or whatever. Well, wouldn't you know what? They're testing a gamma bomb there. Peter Parker becomes the incredible Hulk. Bruce Banner, who was researching all of this gets bitten by a spider that has been irradiated by the gamma bomb and becomes Spider-Man. Uh, Reed Richards ends up becoming the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He also loses an eye because if you're the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. you need an eye patch. And it's just how everything changes. All these characters that you know and love become different characters, like become different superheroes, become different versions of themselves. And it's a very interesting story. And the and I've heard rumors that the at least Captain America or Steve Rogers becoming Iron Man might also be a part of the show. So I'm one, So it almost makes sense then that it could be the whole season where... This is what happens. Peggy has to become Captain America and everything changes as a result of that. It could be a lot of fun. Uh, the concept of Captain of Peggy being Captain America actually debuted in an event in the mobile game Marvel Puzzle Quest. Uh, and then that character was later brought into 
uh, a recent comic book called Exiles, which is all about uh, this team hopping between different realities. Uh, it was very interesting. Uh, Becky Barnes is her. Uh, <laughs> is her uh, there, there's all these changes. And I do wonder if this is going to tie into the greater MCU at all, or if it's just what if, but for the MCU versions of the characters. Maybe it'll tie into the multiverse of madness. Who knows? But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this. Could have a Spider-Verse type event later on. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. We have all these different versions of the characters. I don't think that would happen, but that's that's a fun thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as I don't really have much to add. I think it's going to be really cool ideas to cover. Yeah. So I'm excited for that one. You guys are funny. Thank you. <laughs> the the differences in your uh, <laughs> your you went on a little long. Your brevity or lack thereof. I'm sorry. <laughs> We average out to a decent length of. Uh... <laughs> yeah. We both talk a normal amount of time if you if you take it. <laughs> the average. So, any Hoosiers, another Disney Plus series, Hawkeye, will come out in fall of 2021. Jeremy Renner returning as Clint Barton. This will introduce Kate Bishop, who is the new Hawkeye, being trained by Clint. Kevin Feige confirmed that we'll see more of Barton's time as Ronin, which happened during the blip, which we saw in uh, in Endgame. He killed a bunch of guys and got a weird... Got some tattoos. Like, and got an emo haircut. Mohawk eye. If you take a look at the logo, it's definitely got an interesting look to it. Kind of similar to how the Loki logo looks interesting and WandaVision looks interesting. So this logo for Hawkeye comes directly directly from the Hawkeye comic series by Matt Fraction and David Aja. Asia, Asia, I think. Sure. I know. So we might get an episode told entirely from the perspective of Lucky the Pizza Dog. That's a thing that happened in that, that series. Okay. Yeah. No, there's a dog. They call him Pizza <laughs> Dog. And there's a whole issue that's told entirely from his perspective. So it's mostly wordless because he's a dog. He only understands certain words like sit or whatever so when the people are talking it's just a bunch of scribbles and then like the one word that the dog understands um, yeah, that's a great series i don't think we need to go on too long about this show yeah or maybe that's just my feelings <laughs> about hawkeye in general i first of all clint as ronin in endgame was plenty depressing you know like just he was ruthless you the reason why he was doing what he did was because he lost his whole family so Bringing that into the show, I'm wondering how that's going to play with the audience. I'm concerned no one's going to care about this show, that it might have a very low viewership just because Hawkeye is the least interesting Avenger, at least in my opinion, Mm -hmm. and that's what I've gathered from other fans' opinions as well. Um, Or maybe because he's not paired up against all the, the big players and he's got his own show, maybe he'll have more of a chance to shine and it'll, it will be very interesting. Who knows? I, uh, I I'm not super interested in seeing this show. I'm willing to give it a shot because I'm sure Chris will want to watch it. Um, so you know I'm intrigued, but I I don't know. I Jeremy Renner. <laughs> I don't find Jeremy Renner very interesting. Sorry, Jeremy Renner. I he's just he's you know very he's our number one fan, right? What? I so you know he's our number one fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Oh, <sighs> awkward. We um... love you, Jeremy. 
I can't. I, I'm, I'm sure he's a cool dude. I just, I, he's so low key, but not in the cool way. <laughs> not like Tom. Hiddleston. Not like Loki. I, I, I'm just not when he's on screen. I'm not drawn to him, you know. And that's that was my whole issue with the Incredible Hulk movie. I did not care about any of those characters, and I'm. I'm concerned that's what how I would feel with this show as well. So I'm I'm excited for the show because of Kate Bishop. That's and I think that's what most people are going to be excited about. She's pretty popular. I think she's a really cool version of Hawkeye. So I'm excited to see her and I bet that she ends up becoming a big part of the movies. That's really all I got to say about it though. I'm excited to see their take on on that character. It's one that people have been asking for for a long time. I hope that Jerry Renner sings the theme song because he has a musical career that's taking off. (laughs) And I think that would be fun. (laughs) Let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you do it. (laughs) Danny, you do this one. I know you're excited. Do I get to do this one? Wow. So coming after Hawkeye, November 6, 2021, Thor, Love and Thunder, which by the way, excellent logo if uh since that's my angle here is talking about logos i guess so great looks like some like 80s hair metal album art it's um but my man taika waititi is returning as director and also writing the script um which means korg will be back as well um also returning natalie portman who we all thought was done after dark worlds and then she had a little surprise it was all uh archival footage i think in endgame but she's at the premiere and i think she shot something as well uh-huh. for the movie recorded the line so we had an, an inkling of hope and then yes comic-con she comes out on stage revealed that she will become the mighty thor who is from the comics uh, at one point jane foster uh, becomes the mighty thor um she gets the hammer which we'll see how that works because there was mjolnir but now Steve Rogers took it, and I don't know if he brought it back with him. Uh, we can get into the importance of the hammer a little bit um, after submission, but um, we will have yeah. Thor and the Mighty Thor, Thor Odinson. Uh, Chris Hemsworth will be back. Have no fear there. Uh, we'll see if we'll have any adventures with the Asgardians of the Galaxy, um, or if that'll just be something that's talked about briefly and moving on. Don't know if they'd be able to get all of that cast for maybe a 10 minute scene in the beginning of the movie, but we'll find out it's in three years, two years. I can't count uh, two years until Thor Love and Thunder. Isn't that great? Um, we'll also see Valkyrie who is King of Asgard and uh, Tessa Thompson did say that she will be looking for her queen. So there we have it. The first LGBTQ character in uh, not counting the uh, director's cameo. The first one that anybody cares about. Uh, so, obviously, as I've said, very excited for this one. Loved Ragnarok, loved Taika Waititi, loved Thor. Cannot wait for this one. Uh, I'm sure it will be hilarious, and it will be touching. I think uh, Ragnarok was definitely the best treatment of Thor. Uh, I have still enjoyed his portrayal in Endgame and Infinity War, but kind of disappointed in where they took it. Not the suffering from depression, but the whole lesson he learned in Ragnarok was that he doesn't need the hammer. He is more than that. And then you have an end game. It was a great moment, of course, where he calls Mjolnir and says he's still worthy, but he had learned that before. 
I guess, you know, you have a big failure and you suffer consequences from it. But uh, I'm just I'm glad that Taika will be coming back to uh, guide the character in new ways. So, uh, and like I said earlier, I don't know. So how is Jane Foster getting Mjolnir? Because as far as we know, it was returned to one of the other timelines. I guess you could make another one, but there's no Odin to enchant a hammer. So I don't know. Well, that'll be interesting to see how that pans out and how we get the mighty Thor. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to let Chris go first, especially if you have thoughts on how we would get Mjolnir back. Oh yeah. I'm I'm a little stumped on that too. I think it's very interesting. And I do wonder how much they're going to draw from the, the mighty Thor comics that introduced Jane Foster as Thor. Uh, because it was revealed in those comics, this is getting depressing here, is that Jane Foster had cancer. And when she lifted the hammer, like whenever she picked up Mjolnir and became the mighty Thor, it actually set back all of her her treatments. So it was killing her. But she was worthy and she wanted to do good. And uh, she's actually recently become a Valkyrie in the comics now. So she got better. Uh, but but yeah, I, I, I'm very curious how they're going to bring Mjolnir because it very specifically kind of has to be Mjolnir, doesn't it? Yeah, that's he who, who hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. And we've already seen, we've seen Vision and Steve Rogers hold, wield Mjolnir as well. And they didn't actually transform. Now, Steve was able to summon lightning and throw the hammer around and everything. He was very, he was a natural with that hammer. But in the comics, Jane transforms into an Asgardian. So I imagine we'll be seeing that. So I imagine there'll be some tweaks to mythology, but I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see that because it does seem to be going in a bit more of the mythological route because they were very much, especially in the first Thor, like, oh, science and magic, they're all the same. And then by the time we get to Ragnarok, it's, yes, I'm the god of thunder, you're the god of death. Ragnarok is happening. Here's this demon from another realm. Yeah. It was very much just going straight into the fantasy with still some sci-fi elements because there are spaceships and wormholes and what have you, but leaning more into the fantasy and the big, broad, heavy metal fantasy too, which I think is a lot of fun. You alluded to with the logo. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Taika Waititi is a great writer and director and brought a lot to the character and who would have thought a couple of years ago that Thor would be the Avenger that would be getting a fourth movie and that we'd all be so excited about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think Taika kind of rejuvenated the character. I think that made Chris Hemsworth that made him want to do more Thor movies because he very well could have said, all right, I'm done. Endgame was, was a good ending, but where that character went over the course of those three movies, like he had like the biggest arc in those three movies and I'm excited to see, where it goes from there. And I really think, especially with Jane coming back, it's going to be so awkward for Thor and Taika Waititi does awkward comedy very well. So it's going to be awkward when his ex-girlfriend now has his powers. <laughs> it's going to be real awkward if Valkyrie starts flirting with her uh, because it's like, Oh, my best friend, my ex-girlfriend. Oh no, I'm stuck in this weird, weird middle of this and he's not going to know how to take it. And I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited for Jane as Thor. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I just, I assumed we were done with Jane too, but I also assumed we were done with 
Red Skull. I assumed we were done with, like, so many things that they paid off in Endgame, I assumed we were done with. And then they brought it back and, and you know, resolved it. And, you know, I'm a huge Padme Amidala fangirl. So the, the way that Padme kind of met her end in episode three was, that was hard. <laughs> it was, and it was kind of lame for her. And I know a lot of people were mad about it. I was not thrilled about that. Though, you know, we kind of all knew that she was going to die because obviously in A New Hope, they are motherless. Um, so for then this other fantasy character that Natalie Portman is playing, Jane, to actually have a comeback like this and not just kind of have a lame send off, you know, like she had in Dark World or really Ragnarok when they just kind of say real offhand, oh, yeah, we... It was mutual dumping, you know, and that's it. And I, I thought seriously, that was it. And I just thought that was kind of, okay, mm -hmm. guess we're done with Jane, <laughs> you know? Um, so this is really exciting. I love Natalie Portman. I have been obsessed with her since I was nine years old and episode one came out. Um, and, and I, and I thought Jane was kind of boring, frankly, in the first two Thor movies. And I know Robbie agreed with me on that, you know, so I'm glad that I think she's going to have a whole lot more to explore as an actress and, and getting into this character. And I, I trust in Taika Waititi to make this character more interesting and, and to give it a lot of humor and stuff. And I, I haven't really seen Natalie Portman play humor too much. I probably the most I've seen her do in the humor, you know, realm is when she was on SNL. Yeah. A long time ago, uh, promoting V for Vendetta. That's how long ago it was. And she, well, I, she has been on SNL since then, but like when she did the, the Natalie rap, you know, and kind of, it was making fun of all these, feelings that people have about Natalie Portman, that she was a goody goody Harvard grad, all this stuff. And, you know, just kind of shattering all of those. I, I just, that was great. And she did such a great job on SNL. And I think she does have some comedy chops and I think Taika Waititi will really bring that out, out of her. And so I can't wait. I will say uh, one thing I'm excited for potentially is now that they're introducing the idea that others can be Thor I hope we eventually get to Throg aka Frog Thor. a frog that wields <laughs> the mighty Frog Mjolnir which is just a shard of Mjolnir that was <laughs> broken off by one of Thor's goats and the frog wielded it so that's the fun things with comics you get a Frog Thor maybe Beta Ray Bill will show up they did reference that in uh, in Ragnarok when Loki turned him into a frog. Yeah, so there you go. We're gonna but, get we're gonna get frog. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it would be great. If the, Bill shows uh, fun up too. fact about Throg: the uh, human that turned into Throg was named Simon Walterson, which is a reference to Walt Walter, Simon, oh. <laughs> the famous artist or writer who wrote. Yeah. yeah. So, Thor fun fact many, about many years. Cool. Thor and frogs. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. Got another Larson with the fun facts. Yeah. That's how we roll. <laughs> Only the funnest yes. of facts. Get those boring facts out of here. Yeah. So... Party facts. <laughs> 
So just to wrap up to um, just a few more things that were announced that we know even less about than all the other projects we just talked about. First of all, Blade, which is coming out sometime eh? soon. Who knows when? Some point. Yeah. We know Mahershala Ali will play the title role. Uh, he, that he called Kevin Feige himself to request the role after he won his second Oscar. That's pretty yeah. badass. That's um, what it takes. You, just you win him. two Oscars, you you pick your role. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, Kevin Feige described it. He said he called. We were we were talking. He's a, just very polite, talking about how much we enjoy each other's work. And then finally, he just says Blade, and I said okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wondering if Wesley Snipes will make an appearance. I He's gotta. He's gotta. Because he was, apparently, he said a while ago that he was talking to Marvel about maybe reviving the character. I've heard, I saw today this rumor, who knows if it's true or not, but that he might be playing Dracula Ooh. in Blade. That would be really cool. Um, with Blade, um, it could be introducing, you know, it will be introducing vampires which one of the most famous Marvel vampires is Morbius, who is uh, getting a Sony movie because he's a Spider-Man character, I guess. The Spider-Man villain, yeah, he's an energy vampire. Mm, uh, Jared Leto. Yeah, so I wonder if things go well with Sony and Marvel and they continue to work together well and want to start bridging the gap some more, if that opens uh, the door for more vampires and Spider-Man crossovers also i, I just really want to call back to that the point is <laughs> yes the three-pronged it's only good three it's vampires who are huddled together yeah like i want to see Korg give that to blade at some point in a crossover uh and then my one wish for blade is that he says his famous catchphrase which is some mother <laughs> are always trying to uh, ice skate uphill <laughs> so if that line is not in the movie i consider it a failure <laughs> i think i agree <laughs> is blade the kind of movie they might rate r you think it's possible do you i think they'll I, do yeah. rated marvel movies that's that's a great question especially with the potential of deadpool possibly showing up someday right yeah will they start making r-rated ncu movies will they branch out that far it's possible i i don't think it necessarily has to be rated r but I can see that being a choice that they at least strongly consider. Yeah. Especially with the original Blade trilogy being all R-rated. So. Um, a few other projects that were announced that we were all expecting. Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We know that Ryan Coogler is going to return for Black Panther 2. That games James Gunn will be uh, concluding the Guardians trilogy after wrapping Suicide Squad. Sorry. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, this one's The Suicide Squad. <laughs> suicide Squad already happened. This is The Suicide Squad. So that's it, huh? We're some kind of The Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> suicide Squad Tokyo Drift. <laughs> the Suicide the Squad. Yeah. Two Suicide two, two. Two, two Squad. <laughs> Su suicide Squad presents Joker and Harley Quinn. <laughs> squad 7. <laughs> Suicide Six, Squad Seven, yeah. Family, <laughs> the um, squad of suicide. Um, Feige also teased mutants and the Fantastic Four. Uh, they had an idea of what the next lineup of the Avengers will look like. That it's going to be very different, obviously, than the team we've seen so far. With quote, some people you've already met and some you haven't yet. 
So my thoughts are I'm certainly open to a new Avengers team. I'm curious who they'll choose to lead that. Um, if we're just for now, you know, thinking about the characters who have already been introduced, I feel like Spider-Man would be one of the leaders or the leader or I, you know, everyone loves Spider-Man and he was kind of, I think, trained for this by Tony, basically like mentored into this. So I feel like he'll be part of that. I'm very excited for Guardians 3. I'm curious where they're going to go with the 2014 Gamora and and that storyline of, you know, Star-Lord finding her and, you know, her kind of finding her way back into the Guardians. I'm curious where they'll go with Nebula now at this point. And will Nebula be with the Guardians? I guess she will be because she was on the ship with them and Thor at the end. Yeah, I think Um, she's a full-blown Guardian now. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, but she's got this sisterly relationship with Gamora now. Yeah. So I, I would think she'd be definitely like very much wanting to find her. Um, uh, obviously excited for Black Panther 2. I'm really glad it has the same creative team behind it. I think for um, the mention of mutants, that'll be interesting too to see how they reboot, reboot that, especially after this era of mutants, Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and, and then the first class cast you know and how long that has gone on i mean my gosh that first x-men movie came out in like 2000 yeah so that's been going on years of you know dark phoenix came out this year so that's 19 years basically of that that version of x-men and so i'm curious how they're gonna with everyone being so attached to hugh jackman and and these other actors in those roles how that's gonna go but then again a bunch of those movies did not do so great. Dark Phoenix, especially. So probably yeah. for the best uh, that they're rebooting those. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm certainly, I'm glad that the Avengers are going to continue. I'm glad that they're, the Avengers should always be a presence, I think, in the MCU. Yeah. I think that's very important. And I think it is important also that the team refreshes itself every once in a while. If we get an Avengers, that's Shang-Chi and Kate Bishop and... Maybe Thor could still be a part of it to sort of bridge the gap from the original Avengers to the new Avengers. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I don't think Spider-Man should or can be a leader of the Avengers. One, he's too young. Second of all, thanks to J. Jonah Jameson, everyone hates Spider-Man now. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Everyone thinks he's a murderer. He killed the greatest superhero of all time, (laughs) Mysterio. (laughs) Spider-Man is a menace. And I think it's going to be fun to see the... uh, everyone hates Spider-Man because that is such a big part of the comics for such a long time that Spider-Man doesn't get any respect. So the Rodney Dangerfield of the Avengers. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I could see maybe Thor being their leader or possibly Captain Marvel or Black Panther or Black Widow. If she somehow comes if back, she comes back <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be really fun to see a new lineup as for the Fox properties. Uh, with the caveat that I feel like I need to not be that person who's like, oh, yay, we're getting Fantastic Four and X-Men because the Disney Fox merger is bad. But the good thing that is coming out of it is this, the Marvel stuff. Uh, I'm not super, I don't really, I like the X-Men just fine, but I'm not, that's not something that's high on my list of I can't wait to see it as far as rebooting the X-Men because I feel like we've, done, like, it. we've, we've done it a couple times. I am very excited to hopefully finally get a good Fantastic Four movie because those characters are the first family of Marvel Comics. So I think that could be a lot of fun. 
uh, to see those characters done right. And I'm really, really hoping that we will get a good take on Doctor Doom because I think he could be a great villain for the Marvel Universe. I feel like a lot of X-Men fans, though, would be angry with you for what you said, because I think a lot of them felt like those movies were not a good take on the X-Men either. That's true. But we as all... long as they went on, they were not a good take. But there were certainly some good ones in there, too. Oh, I know. As well. I, I and there hasn't been a good Fantastic Four I was Four more yet. into them than you were. <laughs> there have been more good X-Men movies than there have been Fantastic Four movies altogether, I think, probably. Yeah. Or at least an equal number. Maybe more. Yeah. I haven't seen Logan, but everyone says it's good. So that's X-Men, <laughs> X2, Days of Future Past. First, cl- first Class is first good, class too. First good. Class is really good. And then Logan. So that's that's five. And if you count the Deadpool movies, who knows? But... Uh, <laughs> But we've had three Fantastic Four movies, and none of them have been fantastic. So, uh, yeah. But Doctor Doom, being such a quintessential comic book villain, I say this every time, but he's literally a doctor whose last name is Doom, and that's why he's called Doctor Doom. <laughs> and he's the dictator of his own country, and he does black magic. And I just think that Marvel will maybe finally be the first studio to not shy away from that and make Doctor Doom. And even more importantly. Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Galactus is a great Avengers level threat to bring to be one of the next big things that brings everyone together. One of the only things I think that could top Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. And the Silver Surfer is just one of my favorite Marvel characters, period. And what I would really like out of Silver Surfer after we get him introduced in the movies, hopefully, is a Disney Plus series based on Dan Slott's Silver Surfer comics uh, that wrapped up a year or two ago. That's just one of my all-time favorite comics, and that would be a lot of fun to see. Danny. So I am, you know, I like X-Men, and I am excited for the Marvel Cinematic, Marvel Studios uh, take on them. Uh, I know it, it, we're, it's going to be a few years before we get there. We need to kind of cleanse our palate, I guess. Um, there, I Like you said, there were definitely some good x-men movies but overall i never was huge on the movies but i love the characters Mm -hmm. and the mutants and i just it'll be so cool to see them in and given the the care uh that marvel studios has shown all the other characters um and then i'd like a non-weird all marked up nightcrawler please Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, just I he never really had all that much to do. X two was fine with Alan Cumming, but then he was gone in the next yeah. one, and then they rebooted, and then we had the version that did nothing. In uh, I didn't see Dark Phoenix, but in Apocalypse, didn't do all that much. So Nightcrawler, let me go on a rant about Nightcrawler. <laughs> Nightcrawler is a cool acrobat, and he uses swords. And he's so much more than this. Uh, he is he, very interesting. He is very Catholic and he is a demon. So there you go. There's a crisis right yeah, there, an right. internal crisis. So that's very interesting. And that was it was explored, I think, in X2 um, a bit. But I think you can have really compelling stuff there. And I just I would love to see like the swashbuckling Nightcrawler yeah. uh, that it's in the comics. In uh, the Ultimate Alliance 3 video game, he actually does fight with swords, which I thought was so cool. I'm glad they did that. So yeah. someday we'll get that, I hope. Uh, and then, of course, Fantastic Four will be cool to see uh, brought in the fold. And, you know, they're iconic. Um, it'll be cool to see them with everybody. 
Uh, I think Galactus is above the Avengers level threat. That's going to be, I think, they'll have to be a big crossover again. Yeah. Um, get the cosmic side on in on it too. Uh, whatever the future is there. Uh, I know, obviously, Guardians is kind of the only, well, Eternals as well, I suppose. Yeah. But those two are really the only confirmed things. I guess you could count Thor in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say Thor. But then, you know, from the comics, uh, we haven't seen Nova in the movies. Um, so I wonder if we'll ever get Nova. Yeah, um, Nova. Yeah. No, I, no, Nova. I think <laughs> All right. So we're going to finish up here thinking back over all the projects that were announced that we just talked about. What are you most looking forward to, Danny? Uh, I'm going to surprise everyone and say Thor Love and Thunder. (laughs) If that wasn't clear before, um, I don't know what else can be said about that that uh, that I haven't said, but that's number one. And then I will say Doctor Strange after that, just to just to add something. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, I honestly think those are the two I think I'm probably most interested in with maybe WandaVision thrown in, but number one is Thor 11 Thunder Uh, Ragnarok. We said that's one of my top top five Marvel movies as well. Big Taika Waititi fan. I think Chris Hemsworth has done such a fantastic job with Thor that Thor has become one of the best characters in the Avengers after Dark World and kind of being wasted in Age of Ultron a little bit. It's I'm really excited to see more of this particular take on Thor. So excited for Jane to come back. Hopefully for Cork to come back. I'm Mm -hmm. just, that's gotta be number one for me. I agree. I'm most (laughs) excited for Thor. (laughs) I'm sure most, a lot of people would agree with us all on that. Pretty excited for what if, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously Peggy Carter is driving force there of why I'm so excited for that. But, but yeah, I I think all of these projects are going to, gonna be really interesting yeah. and and take the mcu in a really cool different direction or several directions really yeah so neat i'll say shang chi also is uh, of the new things i think that's what i'm most excited yeah. about probably all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of assembly required um to all of you listening if you have any questions for the assembly required squad or if you have ideas for the show um, or maybe just straight up comments that you'd like to share, you can email us at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Again, that's assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Also, please follow us on Twitter. It's The handle is assemblycast. All right, Chris, where can the people find you online? I am on Twitter at gatorsax2010. All right, Danny, where oh, do you boy. lurk online? <laughs> answer that <laughs> uh stop on twitter if you really want to follow me it's dlars93 that's l-a-r-s not a z uh i don't really do anything interesting on there but hey i'm there hey yeah, yeah. give him a follow um i can also be found on twitter my handle is angela underscore hartman and as always, for our, our boys who are not here, you can find The Peach on Twitter at D underscore Peaches. That's Peaches with a three Z instead of an E-S. Because he's cool. Or on twitch.tv slash Peaches, spelled the same way. So check him out. Playing lots of games and, and streaming. Also the Squad Up podcast, which the is mothership. the... Mothership. 
I was going to say the, the sister show to this show or yeah. brother show. I don't uh. know. Anyway, um, our writer, Robbie, you can find him on Twitter at philkid3, P-H-I-L-K-I-D, numeral three. And our fearless leader, Eduardo, you can find him on Twitter at ABCD Eduardo one. Sorry, almost forgot the number. <laughs> ABCD Eduardo one on Twitter. And he is also on Twitch with that same username, I believe. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. Join us next time for our next episode as we begin phase two with Iron Man 3. We love you 3000, everybody. Bye. Bye. Skate uphill.